morning. So if we've never met, I am Olivia. My husband and I attend Homestead here. And uh, let's take a minute to pray together this morning. We, are, we will be in Psalm 133. There we go. Now you can hear me. We'll be in Psalm 133. If you want to open your Bible there, get excited. It's only three verses long. It's okay to cheer when you see how short the psalm is. Let's pray together. Lord, we do just thank you that in your sovereignty and by your grace and because of your great love, you have designed your church that we need one another. That each one of us is here for a reason and for a purpose. Lord, you have designed us to be the church, to not simply come to church. And Lord, we acknowledge that historically, we, the people of God, have not done great at dwelling in unity. And so this morning we ask that you would convict our hearts and about where we can contribute. And Lord, exhort us and encourage us in the ways in which we can better be and better serve you as the body of Christ. Amen. So when we moved to Minnesota, oh good, it's up. When we moved to Minnesota, we moved in shifts. So six years ago, my family moved from Oregon here. And as we moved, my fam family came first, and I was the last to come out. And I, my plan was to bring my car and my 150-pound dog and those last few things that didn't quite make it into boxes across the northern United States at the end of December in 2013, a polar vortex year. My sister was kind enough to fly out and drive back with me, and I had this vision. I was going to get an Oregon Christmas tree and put it on top of the car, and we were going to wear, like, Santa hats and sing the whole way here. But it didn't turn out that way. All those little things that didn't make it into boxes turned out to be a lot of things, and my car was crammed on all sides. My 150-pound dog went into full Scooby mode and did not sit down the entire time we were driving. My sister had to pee like every five minutes, so around Idaho, I cut her off and let her eat nothing but salty foods and five-hour energy shots the rest of the way. Our plan was to stop along the way at a couple of hotels, and people told me this thing about roads closing in the winter, and I'm like, what is that? And then as we started driving, I saw the giant arms that come down, and we realized that as long as the weather as good, was good, we better keep going. And that Christmas tree that I wanted to put on top of my car, well, my friend who gave it to me bound it up so that it wouldn't get windburn, and it looked literally like we had a dead body on the top of the car. So somewhere in a Walmart and somewhere in Washington, my sister took out the Vikings cap that someone had given me as a going-away gift that also was thrown on the pile of things that didn't make it into a box and strapped it to the top of the Christmas tree. And we drove from Washington State to Minnesota with that tree and that Vikings hat flapping in the wind. And the craziest thing happened when we hit the Minnesota border. People started honking and waving and cheering and rolling down their windows and yelling, go Vikings. And I'm like, what is this place? We don't even have professional football in Oregon. I thought that Vikings must be really good. I was wrong, but I thought they must be really good because all of a sudden we were like somebody because we had this Vikings cap on the top of our dead body. <laughs> and as we pulled into Lakeville, my dog puked up a sock and I was like, we are home. It's official. But when I think of that road trip, when I think of that moment that we got into Minnesota and all of a sudden this dead body with this Vikings cap on top made absolute total sense and actually made us somebody, I think of Psalm 133. 
Psalm 133 is a psalm of ascent. There's about 14 of them, and what they are are the songs that the people of Israel would sing as they traveled into their pilgrimage into Jerusalem three times a year for the feasts. They were the psalms that had been designated. This is what we sing as we walk. If you want to talk about the ultimate family road trip, the entire nation of Israel traveled across the desert together to go to Jerusalem to celebrate. They had their sacrifices with them. So you imagine all the tribes coming together. It's hot, it's sweaty, and they've got farm animals. Ultimate family road trip. And you know what David says that we should sing during that time? Oh, how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. I don't know about you guys. I can't even get my two kids and my husband to target in unity, let alone an entire nation with farm animals across the desert to serve the Lord. And yet he says, oh, how good it is. You see, David understood disunity. Not only had he experienced it in his own life, but he saw it in his own family. If you know the history of David's family, son turned against son and divided the nation of Israel. He knew what division could could do. He knew the power of disunity. If you look at church history, we know the power of disunity within the church. And it was from the beginning Early on, there was disunity. The apostles wrote often and at length about unity in the church because from the very beginning, the churches struggled. They fought over doctrines. They fought over, I'm Greek and you're Jewish. I'm Roman and you're not. (laughs) They fought over whether or not they should eat meat. They bickered and they fought and they were disunified. And the epistles, if you read them, are over and over and over exhorting the people of God to dwell together in unity. And what I love is in Psalm 133, it tells us that it's like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. You see, David declares there was one person, God. There was one purpose. They were traveling to see him and serve him and worship him, and there was one promise Because he had said, I will be your God, and you will be my people, and that was enough. There was blessing, and there was life. And if you turn to the New Testament and you read the epistles and what the apostles were writing to the churches, you know what they say? You have unity because there's one person, Jesus Christ. And there's one person to go into all purpose, there's to go into all the world and make disciples. And there's one promise that we will dwell in eternity together forever as his bride. So what David speaks here holds true to us now in the church. In verse one, he says, Behold how good when God's people live together in unity. The word people of God is brethren. It was originally a family term. When, it's, when the Hebrew word originally was spoken, it literally meant your brothers. And then as we see tradition extend and as we see the scriptures extend, that word was then extended to your whole family. 
And then it was eventually extended to the people and the nation and the family of God. So when he speaks of brethren, he's speaking of everyone who serves and worships the Lord. They were unified because of one person, the God whom they served, the God whom they loved, the God who had called them out. And if you turn to the New Testament and you turn to Ephesians, Paul writes to the church, there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. He goes on later to say, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God, people, and also members of his household, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. When Jesus prayed for us, he said, I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Our unity is Jesus. It is because of the work of the cross. It is because we are all sinners, all saved the same way, all reliant on him daily for grace for no other reason than that. Unity is not that we are all going to be the same. Unity is not that we are all going to agree. We probably can't all even agree that if cilantro is awesome or straight from hell. We can't agree. We are, there's no unity in perfection and all of us being the same and agreeing all the time. There is unity in one thing, and it's Jesus Christ. And what that means is that we would be known by our love because we have been loved by him. Our unity is our common need for Jesus. Our unity is the common work of the cross. To the Corinthians, Paul wrote, love one another. To the Philippians, who were at odds with one another through selfish ambition, he wrote that if there's any comfort in Christ, love one another. To the Romans, who were bickering about meat, he says, the the law, he says, to let your love be sincere and to esteem others as better than yourselves. And to the Ephesians who face persecution, he said, bear with one another in love. You see, we don't have to all be the same. We don't have to find unity in that we all do everything the same way. We all have the same convictions. We find unity in Christ and his love and his grace for us. We're going out of town, and I had someone come over to figure out, because they're going to stay at our house and take care of our dog, and I will tell you, you don't know how weird you are until you try to explain your life to somebody else. And I'm trying to explain to this kid, okay, so the dog really can't get on the bed, so he puts his paws up, and you got to lift with your legs, not with your back, because he's like 150 pounds, and get him up. And he doesn't drink out of a water bowl, because he won't, and so we just let him drink out of the toilet. So you got to make sure it's always flush and lids are always up. And I'm going through all this, and I'm just watching this kid look at me, and his eyes are getting bigger. And then I'm like, and just so you know, he's really old. So if he dies while you're here, we won't blame you. We're good. We got a plan. And I think we look at one another sometimes, and we're like, they're kind of weird. I don't know if we can be one. And the Lord says, you're all weird. That's why I died. That's why I came. 
That's why you don't have to look to one another, but you all look to me and there is grace and there is love. We can look at one another and say, hey, not for the, but for the grace of God, so go I. You're struggling, I've been there. You're hurting, I know. We don't have to hold anything against one another because it's all been nailed to the cross for us. We can love freely and openly. We can forgive quickly and often because everything was nailed to the cross already. Christ took care of it. So we don't have to. We are free to love one another because our unity is in him. He goes on in verse 2 to say that it is like the anointing of Aaron the oil running down his beard and into his collar. You can imagine the visual of just that oil spreading all the way down and pooling. It's this idea of just tons and tons of oil. And if you know the priesthood and you know the Old Testament and that anointing of Aaron, it was anointing for purpose. God told Moses, anoint him as the priest that he can be a mediator between you and the, and the people and the people and God. He offered sacrifices on their behalf. He was being set apart for a purpose. So when, God, when David here says that to, when we dwell in unity, it's like that anointing. He's saying when we dwell in unity, we are set apart for the purpose and service of our Lord. We're called out because we represent God to one another and we represent God to the world around us. And the only way we can do that well is if we dwell in unity. The only way we can do that in his name with him as our head is if we do it as one. And the beauty of the anointing of Aaron is that the whole aroma, as the oil would spread down, it spread out in its odor, and everyone knew that he was chosen and anointed. And as we dwell in unity and in one, it spreads from us and out of us, and people know those are the people of God. In 1 Peter, Peter writes, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Our unity is in a common purpose. We have been called out to make disciples, to go into all the world and tell people about Jesus. We all have that purpose in common. How we will do it is different because God is awesome and he says, I'm going to send you a helper and he's going to be the Holy Spirit. And just like that oil pouring down on Aaron's head, so God has spent his spirit onto the church and poured it out. And instead of making us all the same and giving us all the same gifts, God says, I'm going to do something awesome. I am going to create unity in diversity. I'm going to make every single one of you different. I'm going to gift you differently. I'm going to give you different talents. And I'm going to give you different callings that you can all serve me as one. In Ephesians 4, again, Paul writes, From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So Christ himself gave the, apostle, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
Romans 12 says, but for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all of the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. One of my favorite pastors, Paul Tripp, he says, my philosophy on the church is this, all of the people, all of the time, because that's how God designed it to be. God, is made, has, it says in Peter that we are stones fitted together so that we can, he can dwell amongst us. In Ephesians and in Romans, Paul writes that we are a body fitted together with different gifts so that we can function perfectly. God has designed us differently, but we are only complete together. We only live out the fullness of who he is, the fullness of what he has for his church when we are fitted together and working within the gifts that God has made, given us. What that means is there's no reason for strife or jealousy or competition. There's no room for it in the church. There's no place for it in the body of Christ because each one of us was put there with purpose and with a plan and with a purpose and with special giftings and special talents so that together we could fulfill God's call. What it means is rather than bicker with one another or strive with one another, we are fitted together and we serve one another. Whatever you have to give, wherever God has gifted you, in big ways and small, we bear one another's burdens, we exhort one another, we pray for one another when we're sick, we serve one another. I always say I don't have a lot of talents, but I make really good tacos and I'm a really good toilet cleaner. So I offer all the time. It's like my go-to. You're having a hard time, I can make you tacos and I can clean your toilet. Katie Porter keeps threatening me to take me up on the toilet cleaning and I tease her all the time that if I'm going to clean a toilet, it's going to be a porter potty. So that is my, that I keep telling her one of these days I'm actually going to do it because she keeps threatening to take me up on that. But y'all, that's it. We don't have to have extravagant gifts. We don't have to do extravagant things. God has made us a body so when we work together and we serve one another, he is glorified. And we fulfill the purpose he's given us which is to tell all the earth, to go into all the earth and to make disciples. If you know anything about the body, you know that if any part is broken, it doesn't work. If you've ever broken a pinky toe, you know how true that is. Even the smallest part matters. In physiology, we talk about what we call kinetic chain, and so your muscle groups are fitted together in such a way that they're meant to fire in a certain order, and if one in that chain doesn't fire, the whole chain falls apart. The most common one in fitness you see is the hamstring, the glute, and the low back. If you have low back pain, your glute is probably not firing, just so you know. Now you know what to do when you get home, right? <laughs> but it's that kinetic chain. If even one thing doesn't fire, the whole thing breaks down. We now know that the body, all the muscular system is fit together with what's known as fascia. It's this tissue that just spreads across and holds the muscle together. And we now know from research that the fascia is affected by mood and temperament. And if you're sad and if you're depressed, your whole body is affected. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that when we rejoice, when one person is rejoicing, we all rejoice. And when one member of the body is hurting, we all hurt. That's unity. You're here for a reason. Whether you feel like the pinky toe or the mouth of God, you matter. Because the body doesn't work 
without you. And the body is affected by you. And as one in him, and as one body, we not only bless one another, but the world looks in and sees. That's Jesus. In verse 3, David goes on to compare it. He says, like the dew of Mount Hermon coming down to Mount Zion. So Mount Hermon is in Israel. It's the highest peak in that area. It's like 10,000 feet high. And it's the only mountain in that desert area that is lush and green because it has the River Jordan starts from it, and it's high in its peak, and it has snow on one side. And so as the clouds come in on the desert, dew forms from the heat of the desert and the amount of moisture that's in and around the mountain. If you go to the base of Mount Hermon, it's lush and it's green and things grow there. If you look at Mount Zion, it's dry and it's desert and it's desolate. And so David says, it is as though the, that when the, the people dwell together in unity, it is as though the dew from Mount Hermon has come down. And he's not literally saying that it's something that spreads across because dew in the Old Testament, if you read the prophets and you read the Proverbs, dew is a sign of God's blessing. It's spoken of as being a sign of God's blessing or, or, or akin to God's blessing on his people. And so he's saying that dew, that lushness, that life, that it's as though it has come down into the desolate places. That's what the unity of God can do. It can bring life and blessing into desolate places. At the end of verse 3, David says, For the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. In Hebrews 10, Paul, the author writes, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And in Galatians 3, Paul writes, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of, of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male or female, for you all, you are all one in Christ Jesus, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. The last thing that binds us in unity is promise. So we had the person of Christ, the purpose, that we are all called to serve one another and to serve him, and the promise, the promise of his blessing, the promise of life that comes down. You see, we're all headed the same place. We're all on that, main, that awesome road trip to heaven together. We have the promise of eternal life that God has given to us and that binds us as one. Y'all, we have to spend all of eternity together. We might as well start now. It is in that that we are able to travel together and worship as the people of God move towards Jerusalem, worshiping and praising the Lord and singing together because they move towards the promises of God of life abundant and eternal life in him, because God had told them, you will be my people and I will be your God. We all live according to the same promises. 
We are bound together in the same promises and the same blessings. We put strife aside and we esteem one another better than ourselves, serving in humility, knowing that the promise that was given to me was given to the person sitting next to me as well. And because God's promises are in abundance, the amount of dew on Mount Hermon is insane. It's abundant dew, and that is the abundance of his promise that is coming down into his church when we dwell in unity. There's no reason to compete for it. There is enough for all of us. We dwell in unity because his promises are for us, and they are more than enough. And what I love, what the beauty of this is, not only do we are we unified by the promises of God, but we find the promises of God in unity. David says because he, does, he gives life and blessing in unity. The life and the blessing that God has promised us is lived out and found so often in one another. So often in us serving one another and bearing one another's burdens. In being together, we understand what life, abundant, and blessings are. Huffington Post asked people to submit, if you were to rewrite your marriage vows in a more honest way, what would they say? And people wrote in and they published some of their favorites. One of them says, I promise to always move your shoes out of the middle of the floor no matter how many times a day your feet decide to leave them. Another one wrote, I promise to always, I promise to always let you be the shoe in Monopoly and to never stick you with the thimble when we play with friends. One says, I promise to align my dishwasher loading techniques with yours. Another says, I promise to always pee with the door shut to keep the mystery alive. I promise to stop answering your questions of where we should go to eat with the question of, I don't know, where do you want to go? I promise not to look at you like, I'm surprised that you didn't already know this. I promise to make sure we, you weren't, we weren't just hangry before we start yelling at each other. And I promise always to have the house stocked with bacon and toilet paper. You see, the road trip we go on together, the unity of the Lord doesn't always look like we think it's going to look. Sometimes it's making tacos and cleaning toilets. Sometimes we serve one another in really practical ways, and God says it is good and it is pleasing. You know how rare those two things are together? So often when it's good, it's not pleasing, think broccoli. And so often it's pleasing, not good, think sin. And God says it's both when the people of God dwell together. And I think we think it has to be some magnificent, beautiful, all of us hands raised, agreeing that cilantro is awesome and serving the Lord together exactly the same way. And it's not. It's messy and it's difficult and it's trying to explain to somebody why they have to keep the toilets flushed and the lids open. It makes sense to us even if it doesn't make sense to the person sitting next to us. But it's good and it's pleasing and it's possible. Not because of us. Not because of anything that we can accomplish in and of ourselves, but it's possible because we are in one God under one Christ who died for each of us equally. Because we are all here for the same purpose, to make him known, to be a light in this world, and to serve him well. 
And it's possible because we do it all according to his promise that he will bless us and he will give us life abundantly. So what it means for us is two things. Well, three. The first is that you matter. And I want to say that again, you matter. I know so many people that have a story of being hurt by church or churches or people of God, and what they walk away with feeling is that they just didn't matter. And I want to tell you this, that God has designed us in such a way that you do. In his love and sovereignty and grace, I don't know why he has made it that each one of us is here for a reason and here for a purpose, and we are fitted together perfectly. And the enemy who seeks to kill and destroy, the best way to destroy a building of God is to start removing stones. The best way to start destroying a body is to remove parts. The best way to bring down a family is to start pulling people out of it. So I want you to know that you matter. That you are wanted here, that you are needed here. That God has you here. And you can serve freely and give all that you have knowing that it is for something. But that also means so does everybody else. And that's where we look towards one another with humility and love. We turn to our right and to our left and we say Christ died for you as much as he did for me. We look to our right and our left and we say, God loves you as much as he loves me. We look to our right and to our left and we say, God has a purpose for you as much as he does for me. That is our unity. That is how we can look to one another and esteem one another as greater as the Bible calls us to do. That is how we can serve one another in love. It is also how we can put off anger and striving and malice. It's how we're able to quickly forgive, to restore immediately, to seek reconciliation constantly with one another. It is how we are able to hold one another up as the body and the people and the house of God. I have a dear friend who was a dancer her whole life, and she has arthritis now in every joint of her body, and her elbow was bugging her, so she went to the doctor, and she was ready for the x-ray to come back, and yep, you have arthritis, and she got this, the x-rays back, and he said, you have beautiful elbows, and I told her, that's a Facebook status waiting to happen. You have beautiful elbows. And she's like, of all the things in my body that are broken and falling down and arthritic, why are my elbows fine? And I told her, because you're a dancer. And your whole life you stood like this. And you let every muscle in your body hold your elbows up. So they have been protected. They have been cared for. They have been loved. And I don't know about you, but I want our body to be like her elbows. <laughs> because if each of us plays our part, if each of us holds one another up, we can have beautiful parts. Good and pleasant. Life-giving, blessing-fulfilling unity. One with another. That's what God desires from us. It's also what he desires for us the ultimate road trip. It's not always pretty. 
but he is able because of him and his purpose and his promise to make it happen. Would you stand with me? If you feel so led, grab the hand of the person next to you or put your arm around them. And let's pray. Lord, we do just acknowledge that you have knit us together in your son and by your love. Lord, the church has struggled (laughs) to show your unity to the world. And Lord, we ask that it would begin here in this body amongst these people and these four walls. Lord, let it, as it spread through Aaron in the oil, as it spread from Mount Hermon, may it spread from us as a fragrance to the world. That people would see the way we love one another and know that we are your disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. My stepdad was in town this last week, so I took him down to the building so he could see it. And one of the workers came out and he was explaining to us that there had been fire damage and there water damage and that he was so ready to construct because there had been so much deconstruction in the church. But he said it was amazing to see how they had patched and put back together all these places and he was so ready to build. And you guys, my prayer for us as we move from this building to that is that God would deconstruct and heal and put us together in his unity so that when people look through the windows in downtown Farmington, they would say, oh, how good and pleasant it is for the people to dwell together. Amen. Have a great week. Serve one another. Love one another. Thank you.